Father, we just thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. Lord, we just thank you, Father, that you so love us that you gave your son, that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That, Lord, when you gave your son, you gave us the word, the word which became flesh, so that we could beheld, behold your glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and full of truth. Father, I pray this evening, this even as we listen to your word, Father, we will love your truth and we will appropriate your grace so that we can keep your truth. To that end, I pray that you would anoint us, even the speaking and the hearing of this word. Father, enable us to know the truth, the truth which will truly set us free and enable us truly to walk as sons, free, free Lord, in you. We thank you, Father. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We we sang the last song which says, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. And Jesus says, if you do love me, you will keep my commandments, right? Uh, just want us to look at one verse uh, before we go to today's message. Is uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Uh, we looked at that last Sunday. And it says, um, where there is no vision, the people perish. It's very easy to remember. Two, nine, two times nine is... 18, so 29, 18, okay, very easy, okay, Proverbs 29, 18, there is no, where there is no vision, people perish, but he that keeps the law, he's happy, he's blessed, so uh, where there is no vision, people perish, right, um, I, even as uh, pastor was sharing, I, was, uh, I looked at the other translations, and the NKJV translation will use this very interesting verse, uh, word, it says, where there is no revelation or prophetic vision, the people cast off all restraint. Okay? But happy or blessed is he that who keeps the law. Okay, today's uh, title of today's message is Resting in Restrictions. Say that again. Okay, Resting in Restrictions. Okay, Resting in Restrictions. By the way, the word restrict comes from two words. Apparently, I mean, that's what my uh, looking at the word is. Rest plus strict. Okay, is equal to restrict. So the only way to rest in God is to be <laughs> resting in his restrictions. That is the reason why it says in Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18, it says, where there is no prophetic vision or the revelation of who, who God is all about, people cast off all what? Restraint. Okay. And therefore they mess up their lives. So stating the reasons as to why the children of Israel could not enter the promised land or the promised rest that God has promised them. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 16 onwards, you don't have to turn there, you can follow me, you can go back home and the recording will be available. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 16 will say, for who having heard, this is the children of Israel, uh, rebelled, who having heard rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses or bodies fell in the wilderness? 
verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter into that rest. That is because of unbelief. You see that? They could not enter the rest because of unbelief. So Jude 1 verse 5 will say, But I want to remind you, we looked at these verses several times, but again, just to put this uh, in the context of today's uh, teaching. But I want to remind you that although you once knew this, that the Lord having saved, you see that, the word saved, his people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroy those who did not believe. Okay, he saved them out of Egypt, but he destroyed those who did not believe. And if you read actually the entire account of the Israelites in the wilderness, which is essentially the book of Numbers, the original translation, the Hebrew translation for the word Numbers is in the wilderness. And if you look at the entire book of Numbers, it's the failure of Israel to enter into the promised land and in the process even Moses is not able to enter. And it's one mess after the other. So we need to understand this very important thing, no? So, 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 what is salvation therefore? It's, it's like uh, Jude 1 uh, verse 1, uh, so chapter 1 verse 5 will say, having saved the people out of Egypt, He destroyed them in the wilderness, those who did not believe. Therefore, they were saved, but they were not completely saved. Right? So, I was, I was, I was meditating upon this. I was studying in different contexts. Salvation is never complete. I wrote this down. Salvation is never complete until you have been transferred from serving Satan, the world and your flesh to serving Jesus Christ. Alright? In order to understand this, you can now turn now in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Exodus chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Alright? Look at Exodus chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Uh, you can, uh, even as I read, you can follow it in your Bibles. Okay. Are you there, everybody? Okay. So the Egyptians made the children of, children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Now tell me, what is the one word which is recurring all the time here? Huh? No. Serve. Did you understand? Serve, service, serve, service. Service two times, serve two times. The maximum number of times a particular word is occurring is the word serve. And whom are they serving? They are serving the Egyptians, they are serving Pharaoh, and they are serving their flesh, their their lusts, and whatever it is. They are in absolute total bondage. Therefore, now you need to understand, what is salvation? Turn to Exodus chapter 9, verse 13. Exodus chapter 9, verse 13, and read it very carefully. Exodus chapter 9, verse 13. Can I read it now, if you are there? The Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, period. 
Does it, does, is that what it says in your Bible? No. What, is, what does it say? Let my people go, comma, so that they may serve me. You understand? So what is salvation therefore? Salvation is changing your master, essentially. So you are truly not saved until and unless you have turned yourself from serving the world, the Satan and your flesh to serving God. That is absolute total freedom. Yesterday the pastor was talking about uh, that in the, in the, in the, in uh, Cyril's, I mean Noah's birthday. I mean I've never seen such a birthday in my entire life. Okay. Uh, birthday where they don't cut cake. Thank you, Jesus. You see, I'm pastor was telling me, he was saying, Vijay, how different Christian birthdays are. I said, I would, I didn't have to say that, but you know, in my heart, I was thinking, not all Christian birthdays are like this. Splurge of money and show off and all that stuff is not even there. I was, I liked it. I mean, I was, I had to really congratulate, uh, sorry, Cyril to take, to, for taking such a stand, no? Remarkable. See, you're, you're truly not free. And Pastor was talking about freedom, right? The gifts that we unwrap. And you truly, truly are not free until and unless you have come and rested in Christ. And you have accepted Him as your master. Okay, and the problem with the, the children of Israel is they only understood the first part. Thus says the Lord, let my people go, full stop. They didn't want to serve God. They wanted to serve themselves. Therefore, they were never completely free. You see, you could bring them out of Egypt as we say, but Egypt could never come out of them. They were an absolute slave to their own self, their flesh. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is absolutely important for us to understand. Turn to Romans chapter 6. No, I'll, I'll just show you this very important verse. Uh, Romans chapter 6. No, uh, we read this in several contexts, but just keep this in mind and how the word slave or, or, and slave and master is uh, repeated in these uh, verses. Read from verses 14 to 18. Anybody can read it. Yes. Yeah, your sin shall not have dominion over you because you are no longer under the law but under grace. Yes? What then? Shall we sin because we are under the law and not under grace? I mean, uh, not under the law but under grace? God forbid. No, ye not. Ah, whom you yield yourselves as servants to obey his servants you are, whether to sin which leads to death or of righteousness which leads to life. And look at what it says. But thanks be to God. My favorite verse in my Bible. Okay, one of my favorite verses, of course. Thanks be to God, even though you were once upon a time slaves of sin, you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you have, which you have been entrusted to and having been what? Set free from sin, you became what? Slaves. You see, ultimately you still become slaves of righteousness. See, the, therefore, salvation in its totality is to change masters. Master is either yourself or God. So, if I were to define what is absolute salvation in, and to see one verse, uh, let me show you this beautiful verse. Turn to First Peter chapter 2 verse 16. First Peter chapter 2 verse 16 and it's beautiful. It's a kind of a paradox but this is what it is and, and I want to make a statement which one man of God made uh, when he was reading this verse. First Peter chapter 2 verse 16. You can go to your Bibles and I will read it in my translation. 
Look, look at what it says. Live as free people. Did you see that? Okay. Live as free, free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves, NIV will say. Isn't, isn't it remarkable? It says, live as free people, and finally it says, live as God's slaves. In other words, in other words, you can live as free people only if you are God's slaves. Understand that. Okay. But the problem is, <laughs> when you become a slave of God, there are several what we call as restrictions. What did I say? Restrictions. Okay, let me show you this. Okay, before we go there. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 to 14. Look at what it says. Give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us, other translations will use, transferred us or translated us into the kingdom of his son, of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Other, other words, Acts chapter 26 verses 18 and 19, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them who are being sanctified by faith. You see, ultimately, you see, what is absolute true salvation is you need to change your master. Okay? And unless and until Jesus is your master, you're truly not saved. Okay, so coming out of Egypt is so easy, no? So one shot, people just come out. I mean, it's like deliverance meeting sometimes, no? In the name of Jesus, that all the demons are gone. But the flesh is strong. Demons are gone, flesh is strong. And the problem is, this fellow is not going to be mentored, tutored, nothing is going to happen to him anymore over a period of time. He's enjoying his apparent freedom. After a, while, after a while, what has happened? Seven other demons has come again into him and now he has become absolutely perfect in bondage. You see? So therefore, you need to understand, true freedom is only enjoyed when you change your masters. Of lesson number one you need to learn for today. But why did the Israelites were not able to uh, enjoy this freedom? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1. We'll look at this in verses 1 and 2. Okay, let us read this uh, passage in Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, while the promise of entering against rest still stands, let us fear, lest any one of you should have uh, failed to reach it, this is in the ESV, okay? For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were not united with faith to those who heard it or listened. They were not united with faith. Okay, they didn't believe it. Alright? And therefore, because they did not believe, they were destroyed in the wilderness. And that's the, that's a sad fact with, of many believers too. They truly, truly don't enjoy the freedom and maybe all of us are are we really enjoying freedom? You see, am I really free? So what keeps us from freedom? And obviously the example that being, that is being used over here is the children of Israel in the wilderness. And this particular example is used again and again and again in different contexts. And I want to look at that particular context, which is, which we all know if you have looked at hundreds of different, of, uh, different times, but uh, in a new light today, in the light of uh, today's teaching, we'll let us go back to that passage, which is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and let us read the uh, verses 1 to 10, and there I'm going to uh, try to expound as to what true resting is, and why is resting is always found in restrictions. Let us read. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Okay, this is a very famous passage, all of us know it, but let's read it once again. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware or ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Okay? This is what Hebrews chapter 3 will talk. Their bodies, the corpses fell in the wilderness. And verse 6. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things that they also lusted. And it shows us four lessons. That is today's message. Okay, Four lessons. Verse 7. First lessons that you do not become idolaters as were some of them as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Second, Verse 8, nor let us commit fornication as some of them did and in one day 23,000 fell. Verse 9, let us not tempt Christ as some of them were also tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. And uh, verse 10 was the fourth one, nor complain as one of them also complained, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. And verse 11, now all these things happened to us as examples and they were written for our admonition unto whom the ages, the ends of the ages have come. Did you see that everybody? Okay, now the first observation before we go to these four lessons, I want to look at the first observation. Listen carefully, don't get distracted. Okay, verse 7, first observation, do not become idolaters. Okay, if it is there in your Bible, write, just underline become. Okay, then verse 8, do not let us commit fornication. Did you see that? So underline, commit, you become Commit. Third, let us not tempt. Underline tempt. Okay. And then let us not complain. Underline complain. So look at this, look at this, look at this flow of thought. You become idolaters and therefore you commit fornication and therefore you tempt Christ and you begin to complain. That is the algorithm. Step down, step two, step three, step four, repeat. That is our life. What, what is first? We become idolaters. Then second, we commit fornication. What is that? I mean, it's not necessarily just fornication, the idea that we may may be having. Let us understand what it is. First, you become idolaters. Second, you commit fornication. Third, I mean, it's because, you know, uh, if you look at Revelation chapters uh, 17, 18, and 19, it says the kings of the earth committed fornication. They were given to pleasure. Like pastor saying, kings loved pleasure, merchants love treasure. Okay, so they commit fornication. Why? They become idolaters, they commit fornication, they tempt Christ and begin to complain. Okay, and by the way, if you look at all these contexts, they are not in the chronological order as mentioned in Numbers. <laughs> so you see, for example, where do they become idolaters is found in Exodus chapter 32. Maybe that is chronological. Where do they, where do they become fornicators found in Numbers chapter 25. Where do they complain, or sorry, where do they tempt Christ it is found in Numbers chapter 21. And where do they uh, complain? Numbers chapter 11. You see? But you know, this is, this is the, this is what you call, I mean, Paul is trying to put the whole order together and he says, you know what, you become idolaters first and then you start to commit fornication and then you become, uh, begin tempting Christ and finally you begin to complain. So the first problem is that we become idolaters. So in order to understand how am I becoming idolaters? How am I becoming an idolater? We let us try to understand it from the context in which he is being quoting. He's quoting that. Obviously, he's quoting from Exodus chapter 32. Okay, let us look at Exodus chapter 32 now. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 32. 
Okay, you know the story, and I'm going to read a few verses over here. I'm going to just read uh, verse uh, 1 and verse 8. Uh, sorry, verse 5. And now when the people saw Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, this is verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from, from the mountain, the people gathered to gather together Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods that, we shall, that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And then what happens? Verse 5. The, the Aaron saw it. He built an altar. And he said, tomorrow will be a feast to the Lord. Then they rose up early the next day, offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So this is what is being quoted in where? In First Corinthians chapter 10. Alright, so the no, no question is, how did they become idolaters? The first question when I look at, I underline, when they saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain. So the first lesson... Our attitude in the absence of overseers will tell me whether I'm becoming an idolater or not. First, what is that? Attitude in the absence of until supervisor used to know behave just now. When the supervisor is not looking at you, how am I behaving? Sure, see, I, I wrote on the statement. Our true idols are exposed in the absence of overseers. Whether we truly serve God or we serve ourselves. Who is God? Either me or God. That is the reason why he says, when you show, do off your righteous acts, don't show it off to others. Because they won't. when you show it off to others, then you are God. But do it in secret. When you give, give in secret. When you pray, pray in secret. When you are fasting, fasting in secret. Because God sees you in secret. Okay. When you, the first, you're truly who you are. Whether you're serving self or you're serving God is is revealed in the absence of authority for all Jesus' children. <laughs> Here, no? <laughs> How do you behave is really, really revealed when you don't have anybody overseeing you. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 and 13, we know this very well. Therefore, my dear brothers, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more, I thank you, Jesus. You know, because grace is much more, no? Much more. Okay? Okay, if, if God clothes the lilies of the field, how much more He will clothe you? That is grace. So if you have truly appropriated grace in your life, how much more you should obey in the absence of overseeing. That is truly when you don't have any supervision over your life. Nobody's watching you. The decisions that you take will tell us who you really are. Okay, Genesis chapter 39 verse 8 and 9. It says, this is talking about Joseph, right? But he, what? Refused. And he said, look, he said to his master's wife, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house and he has entrusted everything that he owes into my care. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how could I do such a great evil in the sight of what? God. You see, he's always working as unto God and not as unto man. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. You'll see this very beautiful um Rendering. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of art, just as you would obey Christ. This is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes on you, but as slaves of Christ. Do you see that again? Slaves of Christ. 
during the will of doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving the Lord and not people. You'll see the same verbatim used in Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 onwards. Serve as unto God and not as unto man. So when nobody is watching you, how are you working is how you know whether you're serving God or you're serving self. That is how I know when I'm becoming an idolater or not. And where do where should we learn from? There. I put Lakshman Rekha. What do you find there? Ants. Proverbs chapter 6. <laughs> because I want to, I want to get your attention, no? Okay. Proverbs chapter 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Okay. And look at yourself. Consider her ways. I mean, you, can you imagine? You need to have tremendous amount of humility. It's a remarkable thing, no? How it is easy to put a camel through a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. The best way for us to enter into the camel, I mean the needle of the eye of the needle is to become an ant. Okay, Ant is the smallest thing and can easily go through any hole. Okay. And bunch of ants can do a lot of work. You know, in, in, in robotics, we have what we call as um, uh, we, we swarm robots. You know what swarm robots are? We make small, small ant robots and those ant robots come together and take this one big load from this point to the other point. And even if one ant fails, the load still goes to the other side. If you have one robot, it will fail. But you have multiple robots, it will start. They know. So look at what it says. Uh, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, first thing. There is no one to guide me. He says, no guide. <laughs> Second, it says, no overseer. Third, no captain to give commands. What does it do? Provides her food in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you sleep, oh you sluggard? A little sleep? A little folding of one of hands? What is going to come? Poverty is going to come unto you like a armed man. And your need like a thief. You see, one of the most important lessons we need to learn is learn from ants. Boss, work hard as unto God and not as unto man. You can you can see how if ants can work like that, how much more you and I. First, therefore, attitude in the absence of overseer. Second, our attitude when our overseer overseer gets gets delayed. First thing, no? When they saw that Moses delayed, ah, delay ho gaya. Okay, delay in the free. What do we do now? What is your response to the delay that that God has promised you in your life? He said something He has promised for you in your life, but He's delaying it. What what is your attitude? Will you compromise and do, do it your way, or will you truly wait for God's timing? Will we continue in the life of obedience, or will we give in to the pressure and compromise? Delay. Abraham and Sarai created an Ishmael because they could not wait for God's timing. Turn to First Samuel chapter thirteen. Look at it. Look at what it says. This is talking about the great man Saul. You know the word Saul means desired of the people. 
That's the word Saul means. Until and unless become Saul's, become Paul's, there is no hope for them. Okay, so look at what it says in First Samuel chapter 13, verse 8 onwards. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel could not, uh, uh, did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring me hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offerings. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. Greet him. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come in your appointed time. I gave into pressure. What will happen to you when you, when God delays. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 24. Beautiful verse. We all know this very well. But look at it in today's context. Who is then a faithful and a wise servant? 24 verse 45. Who then is a faithful and a wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom the master when he comes will find so doing. Okay, just apply this in your own life. Okay, whenever your manager comes, let him find you working. Just, just live in this reality now, even now. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all the goods. But if the evil servant says in his heart, my master is what? Delaying. And what does he do? He begins to beat his fellow servants, meaning he becomes impatient. And then begins to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him at an hour that he's not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint, appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. Then shall be weeping and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See that? So how do you respond to? Delay. So first, our attitude in the absence of the overseer. Second is our attitude when the overseer delays is coming. Third, our attitude in choosing our overseer. What did I say? Choosing. Okay. In every every university, we have electives. You know how students choose electives? <laughs> Which is the coolest prof? For them, who is the coolest prof? Who gives the easiest grade? We had one guy in our university called Pradeep Sarkar. Okay. From Bengal. He never was tough with anybody. It was an open, open book exam. Final exam? Open book exam? Open notes exam? Everything open. <laughs> okay. You can do whatever you want. You can, I mean in the sense that, you know what? You can get an A. And you can also learn nothing. You get an A without learning. And you know what happens when you take your transcript and go to the interview? You will look at, Arey, which course is this? Speech processing. Hey, oh, you're a master in speech processing. Let me ask you questions. Go on. You see, our attitude in choosing our overseers is very important. How do we choose our overseers? See, the, what happened when they saw that Moses delayed his coming? Whom did they choose? Aaron. What is the difference between Moses and Aaron? One met God face to face in the burning bush. In the fire. 
other did not meet God. I, I want you to see this very powerful verse. Turn to Exodus chapter 3, please. Exodus chapter 3. Verse 1 to 4. Familiar passage. But sometimes we might, when we go through the Bible, we need to be very careful when we look at verses. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Onwards. Now Moses was tending the flock of of, uh, of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And look at this construction here. And the angel of the Lord, you can, you can underline the word, the angel of the Lord. Who is the angel of the Lord? Jesus Christ. Appeared to him. Okay, where? In the, it is not as a flame, in the flame of fire. From the midst of the bush. Okay, notice that very carefully. Where did, where did the angel of the Lord meet him? In the midst of the fire. Okay. And I mean, in, in, in the, in the flame, in the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Why was the bush not consumed? It's remarkable, isn't it? Now what, what Moses is looking at is looking at, now God is, God is appearing to Moses as fire. Now you need to understand, you know, we, one of the things that we discuss all the time is that this, people who don't have genuine salvation are a people, they say, who do not encounter a genuine encounter with God. What does encountering with, with God mean? Joseph, Moses had a genuine encounter with God. You know what he was looking at? He was looking at this burning bush, bush and fire, but not consumed. And he said, how is this possible? What does fire represent? Fire represents an uncompromising God. Now look at this. I, I wrote down this, uh, this, I mean, this one man of God put it, puts it beautifully. Look at it. He says, Moses met God who was a God of fire, but Aaron met God who was a God of water. What is water? Water will take any course. Look at what it says. He made this statement. He says, clay and water are shaped by the toucher. What is that? Clay and water are shaped by the toucher, but whereas fire shapes the toucher. Fire is unyielding. It will not negotiate with you first. It will not rest until it burns everything in its path. Now the point is, Moses is looking at this burning bush, <laughs> and he's looking at this fire, and he's saying, how is it not being consumed? You know why? In the midst of the fire, there is the angel of the Lord. You know why our lives are not being consumed by the wrath of God? Because inside our heart there is the angel of the Lord. That is the reason why 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 will say, examine yourself if you are in the faith. If who is inside of you? See, otherwise you are reprobates, you are actually burning and getting destroyed because there is no angel of God inside of your heart. And you know why? And you are and you're playing with God who is a God who is what? Fire. He is non-negotiable. You cannot negotiate with, with this God. So whom did Moses meet? He met a God who cannot be negotiated with. His standards are absolute standards. But he also met a God who is full of grace. Who did not consume him. And he was looking at his life and he says, boy, you know what? That bush represents my life. My life was supposed to be consumed by the wrath of God. But how come it is not being consumed? Because you know what? In the midst of the fire is the angel of the Lord. That is exactly the reason why, you know, what happens in uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego story? There's fire, but they're not being consumed. You know why? Because there is the son of God in the midst of the fire. And whom did Moses meet? God as fire. 
and the Son of God in the midst of the fire. Fire represents truth. The angel of the Lord represents, represents, represents grace. So you know what? Moses met this God whose standards can never be compromised. But he also met this God who's going to help you to keep and obey those standards. Therefore, if you look at the life of Moses, he never compromised on God, but at the same time, he interceded for his people. See? Whereas, Aaron, he had to learn the hard way. Did he encounter God as fire? Yes, he did. Later, can you imagine if he would have actually encountered God as fire right in the beginning? He would have told Nadaba and Abahu Baba, be very, very careful. You come and approach God, he will just destroy you. He learned it the hard way. You know something? If you don't encounter God in the burning bush, we will learn the hard way. Like Aaron. And by that time, a lot of loss would have happened in that. You cannot get back your sons and your daughters now who have been lost. And the Levites who never met God, they said, you know what? Korah said, are you only? You know what? These two guys met God in the fire. Now they know very, very careful. You know what? The moment they came and started rebelling, they fell flat on their faces before God and said, you know, what are you talking about? And you know what happens to those 250 people who take their incense, uh, in, uh, who take their um, uh, pots of incense and to offer? Fire comes out from the middle of the middle of the of of, of the testimony, ark of the testimony, and consumes all of them. You see, you need to encounter God as fire. Fire is non-negotiable. You get shaped by the fire. You don't shape the fire. So how do you choose your leaders? You know what? You choose your leaders who have <laughs> encountered the fire <laughs> and are being shaped by the fire. Not errands. Oh, they are very, very, very smooth errands all over the world. You want a God? Come on, bring your this thing, bring your that thing. Let us make gods. These are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. One met God face to face in the burning bush. And he spoke to him from the midst of the burning bush. That is the reason why. You know what? Isaiah, boy, Isaiah. Did Isaiah see this vision? By the way, ask me, ask me, ask, ask yourself this question. When Isaiah went to the temple, whom did he see? In the year King Uzziah died, when Isaiah went to the temple, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Holy, holy, holy. And then what happened? He said, I am coming apart at the seams. And you know what? The angel, in the midst, it takes, okay, the coal comes. I don't know how with, it, with its heavenly, I mean, um, wings it comes. I don't know with what speed it has come to him. And this fellow thought he was gone. Just imagine the angel coming towards you. I mean, I just imagine all those shots in the movie. You now it's coming towards him. This fellow is he's thinking he's gone. Touches his lip, and you know what? And he says, your iniquity has been purged and your sin has been atoned for. No, think. You know what he's trying to tell Isaiah? Isaiah, you were not coming apart. is because somebody else came apart in the place of you. Who's that other person? You know what John's Gospel chapter 12 will say? Yes, Isaiah was speaking about what? 
Jesus, when he saw the vision, Jesus was there in the midst. So that you and I will not be undone. Because he was undone for us. That is the gospel. Okay, so you need to encounter God, who is fire. And you need to encounter preaching, which is fire. That is the reason why it says in Isaiah chapter 13, who can dwell in the midst of everlasting burnings? Isaiah chapter, you don't have to turn there. You can go, go, go and do your homework. Answer is, those who are constantly being purged and who are not afraid of the fire because they know God also burns, He also heals. Okay? So that is the difference between the overseer and the ruler. So who's, who's Moses? Uh, Moses is the man who's gonna uphold the standards of God and Aaron is the man who's gonna say, okay, it's okay. No problem. Whom will you choose? I wrote these things down. True overseers will never compromise the standards of God. They are not looking to confront you, but they are not afraid to confront you. What did I say? They are not looking to confront you. They are not, oh wait, today they are not saying, in the morning, Pastor James and I will not wake up and say, today I have to confront somebody in the church. But when the time comes, we are not afraid to confront anybody. We are not looking to confront anybody, but we are not afraid to confront anybody. Because we know God who is fire and we also know that he is a God who is gracious too. Because we ourselves have been recipients of that grace. Galatians chapter 2 verse 11. You know this verse very well, right? <laughs> Look at what it says. And when Peter had come to the Antioch, or come to Antioch, I withstood him. And I'm reading it from the NIV, okay? If you read it from the KJV, it kind of puts a different word there. But I like it in the NIV and the ESV, okay? Look at what I'm reading verses uh, 11 and verse 14, okay? Uh, 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 just follow me, okay? Just just follow me. You don't have to uh, look into your Bibles. Let's follow me. Now, when Peter came to Antioch, he withstood him to his face because he had to be blamed. That means he confronted him to his face. He was not looking to confront Peter, but he was not afraid to confront Peter. It didn't matter who Peter was. He had to be confronted. And look at look at verse 14. It says, when I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Now, let me tell you something. If you're caught, let's say you don't have those... Uh, what meters these days? Uh, let's say it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, if you, let's say you don't have those meters which they, which they, which measure your alcohol content in your uh, breather, right? breather, breather. If you, you know what the police do? You know what, in order to check whether you are, you are uh, drunk or not, they'll draw a line. They'll draw a straight line. And they will say, walk along that straight line. Okay. Okay. You know what? Gospel has what? What is that? Lines. And if you're not drunk with the world, you will walk in line. That is the reason why God told Josh Joshua, do not turn to the left or to the right. You know what the word is? Orthopedeo. <laughs> you know, if you are, if you are teeth are crooked, you go to the orthodontist. If your bones are crooked, you go to your ortho. Ah, you know what God is? He's a bone straightener. I mean, I remember Pastor James, right? He was talking about truth being bones. 
He says, gospel has lines and you have to walk in those lines. And let me tell you something. If you're not listening to preaching or you're not following the examples of those people who give you those straight lines and say, stay on that course. These are the standards of God. That is the reason why I like that guy, you know, Johan. You know what he chose? You know, for you and I, we are forced to live in increased oxygen environment. We like to breathe nitrogen, everything. What we also call laughing gas. So that we can be laughing with the world. But we are forced to live in a constrained oxygen environment. But we want to go. But you know what? You are, whether you are becoming an idolater or not, will be tested when you go outside of this church and when you go to another place. All these young brothers and sisters over here, one day you will go from this oxygen rich environment. Oxygen rich, food rich, everything rich. Teaching rich. Okay. And then you will have to make a choice. Which church will you go? Or will you not go to church at all? You see, what kind of teachers you choose? Will you choose Moses? Or will you choose Aaron? But you say, Moses is not, is not present. Will you still choose him? Look at, I mean, pastor was talking about this to the pastor's conference, wrote to the, in the pastor's conference. You look at, I just wrote this example. Esther chose to listen to the tough counsel of Mordecai. When? When she was in the, in the, in the, in the comfort of the, of the, of the, of the harem. A mentor who was strict and confronted her even the comfort of the harem. She chose to listen to him. Look at what it says in Esther chapter 4 verse 12 onwards. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think because you are in the king's house, you alone and all the Jews will, will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Moses sent this reply to Mordecai. You know what she said? Gather together all the Jews and fast for three days. I will also fast. You see, she chose the counsel of Mordecai. What kind of a teacher will you choose in the absence? You see, restrictions will come anyway in your life. You cannot escape restrictions. For example, if the teacher says, it doesn't matter what you listen to, it's fine. God loves you. He loves you. That's ironic teaching. I'll tell you the example, no? Now, one man of God gave this beautiful example. He says, just think, think about it. You now you go to the doctor and he says, doctor says, Vijay, you want to live a healthy life, exercise properly, eat a lot of fiber, okay? Palak, carrot, papaya, bindi, okra, chicken, but no mutton. He's already upset. <laughs> and you said, too many restrictions. Okay. Too many restrictions. And he will say, you will live a long life and you will enjoy freedom by the time when you, when you reach your 70s and 80s. You will have healthy. You will have health. My grandfather, no? Tadagaro. Man, he was, he was so tough in his diet. Not one step to the left, not one step to the right. His gospel was very straight. Evening, this is his diet. And at that particular instant of time, he will eat and he will not eat outside that time. And he lived long. Healthy. But think about it, no? 
he imposed restrictions to enjoy freedom. Now think about the other guy. One doctor says, Arey, Vijay, it doesn't matter what you eat. Look at Trump. He eats burger, cheeseburger, and it's, nothing is happening. He's living long. What will happen to you? You eat mutton, chicken, beef, pork, very little fiber. Eat, eat, eat a lot of sweet. By the time you finish 50, 60 kidney fail, huh? sugar, BP, everything, etc. Ultimately, like pastor says, you will end up in the ICU with all restrictions. With all restrictions. Even for you breathing and pooping, nothing will, I mean, everything is restricted. Either you can have restrictions that way, or you can impose restrictions on you. That is the reason why, you know what, you know what it says to children, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It is the only commandment with her. So that you will live. Ah, why you will live, why will you live long? Because the restrictions are good for you. And most of the time, you know, why you are putting restrictions on your, on your children so that they will not kill themselves? Do you know that? You didn't, you do you know that? Most of the time, I'll tell Abigail, Abigail, on the road, be careful. Why? Something can come and dash you. But if I'm a father, it doesn't matter. You'll give a 16 year old a very high speed in car. What will happen? You'll go and bang somebody and kill somebody else. If you don't die. That's exactly what happened on military dairy farm road. A couple of days back. And they arrested him. No restrictions. So choose. So whom do you choose? Tough teaching will put you on that straight and narrow path. So it will happen, you know, when you choose your churches, when you go to the other place. Finally freedom. No. Restrictions are, restrictions are good. You will enjoy rest. Okay, so first thing, what was the problem? The problem was of idolatry, right? The first problem was a problem of idolatry. They become, they became idolaters. And the second thing what happens to them is they commit what? Fornication. Now let's look at that second problem. Turn to First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 verse 8. Look at what it says in First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 8. Nor let us commit fornication. I'm using euphemisms over here because we have young children. As some of them did and in one night or one day, 23,000 fell. You got that? Everybody? Now, you know the context. It's found in uh, Numbers chapter 25. Let me read a few verses to get an understanding of what this is. Uh, verse 1 to verse 4. I'm reading uh, Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 to verse 4. Now, Israel remained in Acacia Grove and the people began to commit harlotry or fornication with the women of Moab. They invited, that is the Moabites, they invited the people of Israel to the sacrifices of their gods and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. Isn't it interesting? It's always with food. They ate and bowed down. So that is the reason why fasting is such an important exercise, Baba. Where you are restricting yourself so that you can enjoy what? Freedom. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor and the anger of the Lord was aroused against them. That is verse 3. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. Now think about this. Let me put this, I mean we all know the story. 
Balaam is being bribed by Balak to, what is that? Curse. Now, can you curse somebody whom God has already blessed? Answer is no. No, you cannot curse somebody who's already blessed by God. If you, as long as you are in Christ, you're blessed. Nobody can curse you. But look at this, what it says. Verse 4, it says, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord. When you read that verse, what does it ring in your mind? Cursed is a man who hangs on a tree. That means what has happened over these, to these people? They have invited what? The curse. How did they invite curse? They did not invite curse from outside. They invited the curse from inside. You see, the first problem, idolatry, is with authority. Second problem, which is essentially an extension of idolatry, which is adultery, is got to do with ownership. You know, one of the challenges for me this last uh, few days was to read through the book of Numbers. With a, with a comb, because my wife is asking questions. She asked me, let me see your knowledge, okay. What happened here? What happened here? I said, uh, I don't know. Pastor! <laughs> and see if somebody challenges me like that. Baba, either numbers will end or I will end. So now I'm good. So the other day, sister was asking me, what are you meditating? Numbers. Okay. Uh, motivation from here. Okay, I'm, I'm going through numbers like crazy now. But you know, that's, it's a good thing actually to do that. It's not a bad thing when somebody challenges you like, this. come on, answer this question. And write in front of all the students. No? Oh, you're not getting the answer. Let me ask Pastor Vijay. Pastor Vijay. <laughs> I said, oh my goodness. <laughs> and I took flight. Hmm? So look at this. This is very interesting, no? See, what can, what happens? The first problem is of authority. Second problem is of ownership. Now, think about this, no? If you turn to, it's very interesting. I just want to show you something very interesting. Turn to Numbers chapter 5. I, 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 it's a very strange book if you, if you read it, but it's a, it's a powerful book. Uh, just a few verses, uh, in the time that we have. I'll have to finish quickly. Uh, look at it, look at what it says in Numbers chapter 5. Uh, verse um, uh, 11 to 12 okay uh, and, the, and, the, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to the people of Israel if any man's wife goes astray and breaks faith with him if, in a, if a man lies with her and it is hidden from his eyes she is undetected though she has defiled herself there is no witness against her you see nothing has happened here does the husband know? no in secret, something that lady has done. Look at what it says. It's very interesting. In verse 14. And if the spirit of jealousy comes over him. I mean, I, I looked at that and I said, boy. Does the husband know? She doesn't know. He doesn't know. But what has come over him? Spirit of jealousy. You know, that is the reason why it says in James chapter 4. Does not the spirit envy intensely for you? You adulteresses and adulterers. Friendship with the world is what? Enmity with God. 
So what is happening over here? There are restrictions God has placed as long as you stay in those restrictions. Boundaries for pleasure. My dear brothers and sisters, all small children, if you really, really want to enjoy tremendous freedom, enjoy pleasure within God's boundaries. And you will truly have fulfillment. And you don't, if you try to enjoy pleasure outside the boundaries of God, you know what, you yourself break those boundaries. And know what Israel did? Israel was not oppressed from outside. Israel broke through from inside now. Because they forgot whose they were. How do I, how am I saying this? You know, look at this, no? If you look at the word commit fornication in the context of 1 Corinthians itself. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 <clears throat> onwards. Okay. I'm reading from verse, uh, from the KJV Bible. It says, flee, what? Fornication, okay. Uh, uh, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14, it says, flee idolatry. Okay, you don't have to turn there. Flee idolatry, the same way you flee idolatry, also how to flee fornication, because they're essentially the same. Okay, so look at what it says. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body. That is outside the... Okay, every sin the man does is outside the body. But how do you break the hedges like Israel did? So as long as God is there, I mean, you are under the restrictions of God. If can any curse come, up, come upon you? No curse. But the moment you break the hedges and go outside, that's the reason why it says in Ecclesiastes, if you break through the wall, who's waiting outside for you? Serpent is waiting. And I, I was asking, <laughs> I was asking Dr. Richard, how long will the venom, if it bites, uh, uh, how long can you survive? He looked at me, within one hour you will die. And I looked at him, did you really handle uh, emergency cases? He said, hundreds. I said, my goodness. Now think about it spiritually. If the serpent bites you, 24,000 died that day. What has happened over here? Look at what it says. Again, let, let's go back to First Corinthians. Flee fornication. Every sin that man does is without the body, but he commits fornication sins against his own body. What? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is inside of you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which is God's in the spirit, which is the first if the first problem is of authority, second problem is of ownership. God owns me. That is the reason why it says in First Peter chapter 2, first chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. It says, you have been ransomed from your futile ways of your thinking that you inherited from the forefathers. Not by perishable things like, uh, like silver and gold, but by the imperishable, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and blemish. That means you are not your own. You are Owned by God. You're owned by God. And therefore you say, with absolute radical, what do you say, uh, conviction, you say, Lord, this is your body. I'm not going to open doors for the enemy to come inside by my own will. There are certain times it is not in your own will. But the moment you forget ownership, you open doors. 
So first is what? Idolatry. It's a problem with authority. Second is fornication. The problem with ownership. You know, think about it. No ownership. One man of God said a very interesting statement. No, think about a wife who will say, "Vijay, I'm married to you," or a husband <laughs> who will say, uh, "I mean, I, I think I, I think just." Uh, Prakash Gantela, no? Prakash Gantela was there in one of the, in one of these apologetics meetings and this, this Hindu lady was so upset. She, she said, how can you Christians say there is only one God? All are gods. You are so conservative. And he asked this question to that lady. He said, okay, okay lady, I can I ask you this question? The day you are, you are married, you want to get married? She's a young lady. She said, uh, you want to get married? Uh, she said, yeah, of course I want to get married. Uh, think about it, no? Think about it. The day of your wedding, the wedding night, your husband comes and tells you, you are also my wife. Will you be married to that person? No, how can you say, this is also God. Now think about it, no? Your grandfather died. And you don't have his picture. Will you go to the neighbor's house and get that grandfather's picture and put it in your house? He is also grandfather. Will you say that? You see, you, you understand what is what is, see ownership he owns you. You have only one master. And you own him. And he owns you lock, stock and barrel. That's a cricketing term, but it's okay. You see that? First problem is with idolatry. Second problem is with ownership. So they become idolaters. They commit fornication and they tempt Christ. Now what is this problem with, what does tempting Christ mean? Let us, I'm just very quickly, okay, because I know I don't have a lot of time. It's a huge sermon. I just wanted to give you snippets of it and uh, look at what it says. I mean, I'm quoting, of course, I'm reading from Numbers chapter 21 verse 4. Um, This is, uh, uh, and they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom and the the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the what? No, underline wilderness, okay? Wilderness, okay, everybody underline wilderness. For there is no food and no water and our soul loads this worthless bread. So the, so the Lord sent fiery serpents. No, I, again, I was asking Dr. David, Dr. I'm sorry, Dr. Richard, I said, if you're bitten by a serpent, will your temperature increase? And he said, no, 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 pastor, it depends upon the kind of bite you have. I said, oh, there are two, 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 two kinds of bite, one which affects your central nervous system and the other which affects your bloodstream. If it affects your bloodstream, then it will, your temperature will increase. I said, how long will you have to survive? The problem here is this, exactly what has happened. God sent what, what serpents? Fiery serpents. You know, it's always God who uh, who encounters you like what, what? Like fire, no? Like fire only. And if you really want to escape the fire, you should look to what? Ah! Like Moses put the pole. Okay, but that is not the point over here. The point is, how do you tempt Christ? I'll tell you how you tempt Christ. You forget why the wilderness and what the wilderness was meant for. 
Okay? Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Okay? You'll understand what I'm trying to say. How do you tempt Christ? You forget what the wilderness was meant for. Deuteronomy chapter 8. <clears throat> we know this very well, no? And you shall remember the Lord your God, the way that you led, that He led you these how many years? 40 years, where? In the wilderness, to do what? To humble you. See, <laughs> the point is this. Very interesting, no? Jesus was anointed by the Spirit when he went into the waters of the baptism. And he came out. And he heard a voice, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. And then it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness for how many years? 40 days, actually one day for a year by the way. Okay, 40 days in the wilderness. And after 40 days, angel comes, I'm sorry, Satan comes and tempts him. First one was what? Convert the stones into bread. And what does he say? Man shall not live by bread alone. You know what? He learned the lesson of the wilderness. What was the wilderness meant for? To humble you. He humbled himself. Second, if you are really the son of God, jump. He will give your... And what did he say? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. What does it mean? He says, you know something? My dear, my dear Satan girl, my Satan, Satan get thee behind me. There is only one thing. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. See, the, the wildernesses in your life, whatever that wilderness is, I'll tell you, wildernesses, different, different wilderness. Failure in your job. Wilderness. Prolonged failure in your job. Prolonged wilderness. Okay. People are laughing. Okay. Failure in your relationships. Prolonged failure in your relationships. Wilderness. Problems in your marriage. Prolonged problems in your marriage. Wilderness. Problems with your children. Prolonged problems with your children. Wilderness. And each point, you know what God is trying to teach you? Humility. Discipline. And look at what it says in verse 5. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, God chastens his people. That is the reason why Hebrews chapter 12 will say, as a man, as a father disciplines, don't despise the chastening of the Lord, not detest. So you know, how do you tempt God? You say, Lord, I do not want this test. You know, you don't like people to correct you or discipline you. Ask yourself this question. How many of us really, really like to be disciplined? The problem is we all don't like to be disciplined. You know why? Because deep down inside of our heart, all of us know there's something wrong with us. Right? Am I right, Sami? Absolutely. Yesterday, Cyril was saying, no? He has no problem with identity. He has no problem with salvation. He's only a bush on fire, <laughs> burning bush. You see, I, I, and I was like, oh my God, I hope Sammy didn't get offended. And he started laughing. I like that. You see? It's, it's, it's important for us to understand, you know, discipline. How much of, how many of us really like to be disciplined? Because intrinsically we know we don't like discipline because we know we don't want our faults to come out. Especially when it is amongst a lot of people. Okay. But the point is this. If you are secure in Christ, 
and if you know that he is your father you know when we discipline my daughter the thing about children when they are small is once they get disciplined they cling to you have you ever seen that especially it happens with the manual you do something to her and you give her a spank she will come and cling to you most of the times what children do i mean uh, not children teenagers they will go away and to that room and they will shut the door but not the children you know what they do they come and cling to the father you know what they want to get back that approval from their father <laughs> the other day she, my, my daughter is here she is busy drawing something we spanked her gently i think just was it gently i don't know <laughs> she doesn't take her inside notebook to our school and she, she forgets that she got a spank and the next day or a few days later she already put the inside notebook in her bag okay she learned the lesson okay and she thought she forgot that she put the inside notebook in her bag and she is searching the whole house and i said emmanuel it's getting late to school come on now i said why are you crying my inside notebook and she is already crying so that i'll not spank her you see the point is this children are like that no they cling they want to come to the father you see that is how children are Okay. They cling to you, and most of us we don't cling to our father; we just run away from the father. We don't want discipline. We don't want to learn humility. Finally, last lesson, last problem, problem number four. The discipline is what restriction, right? Restriction. Discipline is restriction. You have truly rest. You have own, truly enjoy rest only when you rest in your restrictions. Finally. nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer who are these people who complained numbers chapter 11 please turn to numbers chapter 11 and let me read from verses 1 to 3 and i want to read it in the niv and the esv if you have the niv and the esv it's great it's it, because it just renders it renders itself beautifully now when the people complained okay from verse 1 onwards is there is it there in your bible Okay, when now when the people complain, it despises the Lord. Now the question is, who are these people who complain? Okay, no, 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 no. It's not all the children of Israel, by the way. That's very important. Okay, now who are these fellows who complain? Hmm? Let us read that. Now, when the people complain, it despises displeases the Lord, for the Lord heard it and His anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them, and it consumed some in the ah outskirts of the. so who are these fellows who complained people who are in the ah those are the people who complain let me tell you what this is when the israelites were going through the wilderness they had to construct the tabernacle first the priests would first install the tabernacle and all the children of israel they had to set the camp around the tabernacle and who would be around the tabernacle the levites had to put their all the tents around the tabernacle so that what the anger of the lord will not come and consume them so you had one option you could put your tent close to the tabernacle or you can put your tent very far from the tabernacle in other words you can choose your home close to the church or 
like like or like the doctor doctor richard he's practically living in alwal he's only got an empire, rented apartment in medipatnam sorry so i mean this honest, honestly no this is one guy i have never seen he's always there for every meeting you see so so, so i've seen this no there are in in the church there are a lot of outliers and those are the people who complain messages too long Oh, they preach like this, but they don't live. How do you know? You only know when you are close. You see. And what has happened? Over a period of time, people have... This is very interesting. Your geographical location matters to God. Your coordinates... Matter to God. Your GPS location matters to God. Is it close to the church or far from the church? And I've seen. You know what? This is experiment in my own church for 11 years. People who pitch their tents closed. <laughs> I'm honestly saying, spiritually at least. And who have pitched their tents. I don't want to name the names of the, of the, of the places, you know, otherwise you'll say, oh, this person, that person, no, 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 I don't want, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just telling you, honestly, this is, this is a fact, these are all outliers! And they complain. They don't know God, who's a God of fire. They have not encountered God as fire. And where you will, where will you encounter God as fire? In the family where there's discipline and there's love and there's constant correction and there's no affirmation. That is where you really, really grow. In what restriction you enjoy? Rest. So when you are very close to the tabernacle, you know what you should always keep God? Don't test how close you can come to the tabernacle. You have to be very, very careful. Lord, I know that you are a holy God. I want to maintain my distance. And I also want to walk in humility and in holiness so that one day I will not be consumed. Now let me show this to you. Turn to turn to uh, Numbers chapter 11, please. Sorry, Numbers chapter 1. Numbers chapter 1, verses 51, 52, and 53. And we will end. Okay? Numbers chapter 1, verses 51, 52, and 53. <clears throat> and when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is set up, the Levites shall set it up. The outsider who comes near shall be put to... I mean, you should, you should, you should listen. I mean, if you read one of the words in numbers that is recurring the most number of times is die and death. He's a God who kills whom? His own people. <laughs> not somebody who's outside. <laughs> okay. He's not, he I mean, that is, a, that, that is, a, that is the reason why, you know, what Paul says when you are taking communion, you judge yourself. Otherwise, many of you are what? Sick. Many of you have fallen ill. Some of you have you're dead. See, you don't understand that God is holy and you will only understand in proximity to God. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites, okay, then verse 52. The children of Israel shall pitch their tents, everyone by his own camp, everyone by his own standard according to their armies. But the Levites shall camp around the testimony that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the children of Israel and the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of testimony. In other words, you know what the Levites are supposed to do? They should guard the tabernacle so that the children of Israel should not die. That is what we call as 
authentic preaching of the word of God, where you upholding the standards of God so that God will not strike you dead before your time. You're constantly judging yourself. You know, I, I was talking to my, my one of my uh, brother-in-law the other day. He was talking about one of his friends who was in this church and he went to CFC, Bangalore. You know, it's very interesting, no? They said for one year, they didn't give him communion. One year, no communion. You know what? They wanted to test him. Whether he's an outlier or close to the family. And if you're outlier and if you take communion, what will happen? In my church, at least. In other words, they're saying, if you take communion in our church, if you, if you, and you're not totally committed to the church, you'll die. We are protecting you. So one year. No communion. You see? And most of the time, these are the people who are complaining. So you see, how do you rest only in restrictions? Knowing God as He is. And God is absolutely holy and He will never compromise the standards. Thank God. In Christ Jesus, you and I, as long as we are in Christ Jesus. Turn to Romans chapter 8 and we will end. Romans chapter 8, verses 1, 2 and 3. And I, this time if you read the KJV, it will be great. NKJV or KJV. Okay. Read it please. Romans chapter 1, verses 1, 2 and 3. Yes. Uh, 1, 2 and 1 and 2. Yes. Yeah. Romans chapter 1, 8, verses 1, 2 and 3. Yes. And for those who are ah, flesh but after the spirit. You see that? For, read on. The, for the law of the spirit of life, where? In Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Send again. Next verse. Yes. God sent his son and condemned whose sin? Whose sin? Our sin in whose flesh? His flesh. So as long as you are in Christ Jesus and you are close to him. How are you close to him? Four ways. First thing. Choose leaders who will challenge you. Second thing, know whose you are. You're, you're owned by Christ. Third thing, never tempt him and accept his discipline. Fourth thing, don't complain. You know how you complain? The word for complaining is uh, gongusmo in Greek. Mm, it's like dung and murmur, 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 That is gongusmo. You know, when, when, when it occurs for the first time in the New Testament, it occurs when, you know, that guy in the, uh, in the, in the line, no? Uh, he, uh, some, uh, he employs some people in the morning and he promises them a dinari. Some people late in the uh, afternoon, he promises them a dinari. Third, uh, again, again, uh, the last hour also, he promises them what he says, I will give you whatever it pleases. And he starts with the last and he gives them what? One dinari. And he also gives the same dinari too. And then, they begin to murmur. Why are you murmuring? Are you upset that I am gracious to somebody else? Okay, that is a different lesson altogether. Four things. Four things. How do you rest in your restrictions? Choose authority who will challenge you. Know who you are. Accept discipline and never complain. Let's pray. Father, this evening, O oh Lord, I pray, Father, that, Lord, whatever we have learned, we'll take it to heart. Father, there is a complaining spirit in all of us. 
Father, I pray, Father, that all of us, we will learn obedience to the disciplines that you allow in our, in our lives. The disciplines will produce a fruitful work of righteousness in us. It will not destroy us. Father, when, when you chasten us, enable us not to, not to rebel, but to submit. Your word says, O oh Lord, that you resist the proud, but you give grace to those who are humble. Father, enable us not to tempt you when you are humbling us and you are disciplining us. But enable us, Lord Father, to truly enjoy the rest by staying within your restrictions. And if you do not know what your restrictions are, by knowing your restrictions, your standards. To that end, I pray that, Lord, you would bless us. Father, we are all your children. And we are all your sons. And I pray, Father, when you chastise us, enable us not to get offended. Because you said, Lord, blessed is a man who is not offended because of me. Enable us to walk the lines that the gospel draws for us. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.